0: Church, take your Bibles and open up to Psalms 136 this morning. Psalms 136. And uh, if you're not sure where that is, if you use the Pew Bible in front of you or under the seat, uh, it's page 917. You just open up somewhere to the middle, you'll be close. Psalm 136 is where we're going to be. And before we dive into this, I just want to express to you... Um my profound thanks for the way that you as our church family have gone out of your way to encourage us this past month. And uh I can't tell you how many days that your encouraging notes uh were of profound impact to me and I know they were so also to Brandon and to Drew. Um and you made us feel extremely loved this last month. And uh, for me personally, that was uh, something that was <laughs> extra special, I think, because we've only been here for three months. And uh, still getting to know you, and yet we felt uh, during the month of October like we're fully a part of the E-Free family. And uh, so I just want to verbally thank you and appreciate you for... Uh, uh, what, how you allowed God to use you to encourage us this past month, it had a, such a profound impact on us, so thank you, thank you so much. And uh, I can't tell you also how excited I am to be uh, uh, back in God's Word with you this morning. Uh, it's been a couple weeks uh, that other people have been speaking, and I have just been eagerly anticipating Back, ...being back with you, uh, speaking God's Word. Uh, Those of you who have gotten to know me a little bit know this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love to do. And so uh, I'm excited. We're actually starting a new series in the month of November. And uh, as I was thinking about and processing through uh, what we were going to focus on during this month... Obviously, a lot of people have their eyes fixed on Thanksgiving and a month of thankfulness and uh, how we can uh, be reminded of what we're thankful for during the month of November. And yet, in the midst of that, so easily, as followers of Jesus, one of the things we tend to forget the most day to day, practically, is to simply be truly thankful for who God is and what he has done. And so through the month of November, what we're going to do each Sunday, we're going to take a psalm, specific psalm, each week. It's going to be a different psalm each week. And we're going to focus on this idea of what do I have to be thankful to God for? Specifically relating to his character and what he has done. Okay? And so as as to kind of develop the need for that, I came across this uh, quote from Warren Wearsby in his book, God Isn't in a Hurry. And he said this, he said, I felt for a long time that one of the particular temptations of the maturing Christian is the danger of getting accustomed to his blessings. Like the world traveler who has been everywhere and seen everything, the maturing Christian is in danger of taking his blessings for granted and getting so accustomed to them that they fail to excite Him as they once did. Emerson said that if the stars came out only once a year, everybody would stay up all night to behold them. We have seen the stars so often that we don't bother to look at them anymore. We've grown accustomed to our blessings. And so, my goal this month, as we open up God's Word, is to reinvigorate in us this excitement of who God is and what He has done, and not simply what He has done, but what He has promised to do. And so, as we dive into this today, I want us to recognize that at the root of this truth, that we lose sight of these blessings, there is... Abundant truth, we can sit here and reflect upon these realities in our own life where we have become accustomed to something and become normalized to something that we were once ecstatic to reflect upon. And so my prayer is that we would take seriously this notion of asking that question. All right, God, who are you? What have you done? Remind me, reinvigorate me with that passion and maybe it's a passion you had when you first came to Jesus, when you first recognized your need for a Savior, and you saw all that God had done to express His love to you and has shown this to you. And man, if I could go back to that, that invigorating passion and drive. Or maybe it was a season in your life where you saw God work in profound ways. And you just need to be reminded of His faithfulness. Or maybe it's simply that you've struggled with this concept that God loves you and you're going, I don't deserve this love, I don't deserve this from Him. And you need to be reminded of God's love for you, to be thankful for that. So read with me. We're going to read Psalm 136 and uh, then we're going to pray together, commit this uh, this time to God for His glory and uh, trust Him to grow us. Out of that place of complacency. To renewed sight. Renewed sight of His blessings and who He is and what He's done, alright? Psalm 136, starting in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures Forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who made the great lights, for His steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for His steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for His steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love. Love endures forever. To Him who led His people through the wilderness, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who struck down great kings, for His steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for His steadfast love endures forever. Sion, King of the Amorites, for His steadfast love endures forever. And Og, King of Bashan, for His steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. For his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever. Heavenly Father, as we come to this text, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth of what you've revealed about yourself. Lord, that we would be excited about who you are and what you've done and what you're doing. And Lord, that you would transform our lives, that we would not remain the same as we look at the truth of your word, that we would not become complacent to this, but that we would be reinvigorated with a passion and a desire to grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we read this, the main idea of this passage is really clear. Everyone say, it's clear. Okay? If it wasn't clear, you should go back and reread it again. And as I was reading that, you probably could have gotten a sense for what is the psalmist trying to communicate here? And it becomes really clear really fast. Over and over and over and over again, there is a main theme that he is reminding the people of in this psalm. For his steadfast love endures forever. And this morning, as we think about this, that's why today's message is entitled "Entitled Enduring Love. Because at the core of everything we know about who God is and what He's doing and what He's done, this comes back central. Throughout the Old Testament, as we see Him work with the nation of Israel and interact with His people and come to this place then where we see Jesus come into the picture and the reason behind that, and then we step into the Gospels. And even into the book of Revelation, we see the same theme come back over and over and over again. Now, there's something really crucial for us to understand about that one phrase. And it's what is that word? Because uh, some of your translations might just say his love endures forever. And then others might say for his steadfast love or his faithful love endures forever. And so the question becomes, well, what what does this mean? And what I want to emphasize here is the Hebrew word here goes so far above and beyond what our English vocabulary can simply comprehend with the word love that we often lose sight of what is actually being spoken of here. And the Hebrew word here in this text is actually the word chased, and it implies not simply love, though that is a portion of this, but also includes this idea of loyalty, faithfulness, steadfastness, kindness, all in one word. And you will find this throughout the Old Testament. This Hebrew word chesed is throughout All of, all of the Old Testament and most often refers to God Himself. And so if you were to look through scripture and you'd identify this is a main, a main word that's reoccurring in the book of Ruth. In this story. And you would find the same concept of kindness, faithfulness, loving kindness, steadfastness, all encompassed in this. And so when you see this term, the love, his love endures forever. How, how often have we misconstrued what that word means? And we so simply lose sight of that. We simply lose sight of what it means to love something. In fact, we tend to throw that word around like it's nothing. You might sit at lunch later today and go, Oh man, I love this spaghetti. But surely... You are not saying I has said this spaghetti. If so, we need to have a conversation. Because see, what this is implying is that I'm devoted, I'm loyal, I am committed. I'm steadfastly remaining. And so when we think about what this psalm is communicating over and over and over and over again, it's not simply that God's love is some kind of surface level love that is happening consistently and trying to remind you of that. But it's coming to this place where I'm recognizing that God's chesed love endures forever. His faithful, loyal, kind, steadfast, immovable Love endures forever. One of the most practical embodiments of this term is really what we have come to know today as a traditional marriage vows. For better or for worse. For richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. It's making the commitment to say it doesn't matter what else is going on. It doesn't matter what else is happening around me. I am committing to you, to love you, to cherish you. And my eyes are fixed on you. And it's no surprise when we consider that this in the Old Testament is then carries over to this idea of marriage in the book of Ephesians where we see that God's saying, church is the bride of Christ, There's this commitment. There's this love that extends far beyond just a surface level concept that we might have in our own minds. And it's the same simple concept that Jesus was asking of Peter. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's going, what are you talking about, God? Well, our concept of that is tainted. It's the same word has said in Lamentations 3.22 that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And yet, as we read through this, some people, depending on where you're at in life, you may be experiencing great trial right now. And you're going, why should I give thanks to the Lord? Look at where my life is at right now. Maybe you're in a financial crisis. Maybe you're in a marital crisis. Maybe you're in a personal crisis and you don't know where to go, where to turn. Maybe you've experienced great hurt or loss in the past that you're just struggling with right now. Why do I have reason to give thanks to the Lord? Why why should I give thanks to Him? And this psalm does a fantastic job. Of answering that very question. Look with me, those first three verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now, I'm going to highlight in between these all the additional reasons that the psalmist gives us for giving thanks to the Lord. While still recognizing, and I hope you all see this clearly, okay? Again, if you don't see this clearly, reread it again and reread it over and over and over again until you get the main concept that the psalmist wants to communicate to you that God's steadfast love endures forever. Okay? It's really clear. Everyone say, it's clear. It's clear. God's word is very clear on this. But yet, he gives us so many other reasons to give thanks to the Lord. And I want to pull those out for us. In the first three verses, we have specific attributes of God. God is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Verse 2, because he's God. Give thanks to the God of gods. He's God and no one else is like him. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Master. The Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on in the next section of this and specifically focuses on the reality that we give thanks to God because he's a God of creation. And it starts out with one of the most profound statements in verse 4, if you caught that. To him who alone does great wonders. Now I have to admit to you, when I read that for the first time this last week, it has stuck with me more than any other verse in this text, for me personally. Because so often my tendency is to look at what's going on around me and go, what can I do to fix this? What can I do to change what's happening? What can I do to draw people to see God more clearly? What can I do to help when there's broken people who desperately need the gospel? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And yet the simple reminder to give thanks to God because it is Him alone who does great wonders. Now, he might choose to use us in the midst of that. And oftentimes he does. If we're willing and we actually follow after what God has called us to, he does. And we get the opportunity to have a front row seat to what God is doing. And yet it's so easy for us to lose sight that it is God alone who does great wonders. It is not of any power or ability of our own that these things are accomplished but it's to Him alone. He doesn't have to use us to accomplish His purposes. He chooses to do that. And we're the ones who miss out. We're the ones who miss out when we choose to look the other way or we choose to live in fear instead of stepping out boldly and saying, God, use me. Use me and my giftedness for Your purposes. To Him who alone does great wonders. And then we see all these wonders that He's created. To Him who by understanding made the heavens. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters. This is a beautiful word picture, but it encompasses His creation. The power He has to simply create. It's not a thing that takes effort for him. He just does. And that's the God, the same God, whose steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and the stars to rule over the night. I don't know if you realize this or not. I heard this while listening to uh, a sermon uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it just... It's one of those moments that made me stop, and I wanted to share this as well. Specifically in regard to the stars, okay? Just the stars. Did you know there are only 5,000, about 5,000 stars that are visible to the naked eye? 5,000, okay? And reality is only about 2,500 of those stars are visible to you and me because the other half are on the other side of the world. So when you look up in the sky, what you see with the naked eye, you can only see about 2,500 stars. Now, if you look into this more, it's estimated that there are around 170 billion galaxies in the observable universe. And just in the observable universe, okay? I want to preface it with that. It's just what is observable. And the Milky Way galaxy, where we're at, it alone is estimated to, ha- to have about 400 billion stars. And so, if you do the math and you work up estimates, approximates, averages, it would be estimated that there is in the proximity of one septillion stars in the whole observable universe. Septillion. Now, if you're wondering what that is, well, after a billion, you have a trillion, then comes a quadrillion, then quintillion, sextillion, and then septillion. If you want to know what that looks like It's 10 to the 24th power 24 zeros Now To make that uh, Make you feel a little smaller Even so It would take you 31 years To count to a billion Okay So if you were to take and count One second Okay Not trying to speed through it But one second, it would take you 31 years, not eating, not sleeping, doing nothing but counting to get to a billion. If you try to count to a trillion, it would take you right around 32,000 years to get to that point. Okay. And yet, it is the God who created, in the observable universe, somewhere around a septillion stars... It is that God who has shown us over and over and over again that His steadfast, loyal, kind, faithful love endures forever. It's the same God. The God of creation. That's what this text is revealing when we think about to Him who made all of this. In verses 10 through 16, we see God as the rescuer. And if we were to go back to the book of Exodus and walk through God's faithfulness amongst his people, the nation of Israel, in calling Moses, say, Moses, you're going to go deliver my people. And the nation of Israel had no idea about this. Yet God is working in the background. He's working behind the scenes. He's working in Moses' life. He's orchestrating all of this. And he brings Moses and there's a series of trials and when Moses starts coming to Pharaoh, what is the people's response? Moses, you're making life hard for us. Just go away. Every time you come to Pharaoh, you make him mad and he get, makes life much harder on us. How quickly they had forgotten who God was and how faithful he had been. But that pattern doesn't end. And then Moses actually continues following through and the people are delivered out of Israel. And they get to the Red Sea and they turn around and there comes Pharaoh and his army. And what do the people say? Ah, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt. You brought us out here to die. No, no matter that God had been showing Himself very clearly and delivering them out of Egypt and leading them Yet, they lost sight of that. And then, Moses puts his staff in the water. The waters part and they walk across on dry land. His steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. Verse 14. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea. And then he led his people through the wilderness. And yet, time and time and time and time again, as we see in the nation of Israel, and we read these stories and we go, Man, how can they not see it? And how many times do we embody that same attitude as the Israelites? And we lose sight of what God has done? They had these stories and these markers to tell of these things all over. If you read through the Old Testament, something big like this would happen and they would stack stones and set up a monument there to remember. So generations to come would be reminded, God is faithful. He delivered us in this setting. He's promised to be with us. He's going to do it again. And yet time and time and time and time again, people lose sight of this. Time and time and time again church We lose sight of this We do And we have One of the richest treasures right here To remind us of all That God has done And all that he's promised to do And we lose sight of this We lose sight of him Yet, his steadfast love endures forever. In verses 17 through 22, we see that he's a God of power. He's able to strike down great kings, to remove mighty kings. And it lists names of kings who are evil, wicked people. And yet God was sovereign over those situations. And then not only was sovereign to deliver people to defeat kings, but then to give their land as a heritage to Israel, his servants. And how easy it would have been. God to say, you guys have failed to trust me again. I've shown you time and time and time and time and time again. That I am faithful. I'm going to carry you through. You just got to do what I say. You just got. You just got to follow these these commands. How easy it would be for God to say, "You know what? I'm I'm done. It doesn't matter how much I steadfastly love them or care for them. They don't heed my instructions. They don't. I'm, I'm done." But He doesn't do that. And how often that is what we experience amongst relationships within the body of Christ. Where we go, oh, they hurt me again. I'm done. I'm done. Or maybe that situation is turned and we just lose faith in people altogether. And it's easy to project that and then say, well, if this is how everyone else is, this must be how God is. This must be how He responds. And yet this reminds us, no, 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 no. God is not put into your box. His steadfast love endures forever. In 23 through 25 this starts to get personal. It is He who remembered us in our lowest estate. It means it wasn't anything you did to bring Him to the place of recognizing, oh, hey God, here I am. Look at me. He remembered us at our lowest points. Maybe when nobody else recognized who we are or where we're at because His steadfast love endures forever. And not just that, He rescued rescued us from our foes. He gives food to all flesh, provides for those needs, for His steadfast love endures forever. And so as we think about this practically, I wanted to walk through that text. But I want to give you some specific points of application this morning for you to leave here with and think about practically what does this look like for me? What does this look like for me? And I want to give you three specific points for you to be thankful for. Based on this passage, just what we know about God from Psalm 136. And there's a lot more. We could, we could sit here the rest of today through this next week just looking at the Psalms and thinking about all that we have to be thankful for, for who God is. But why should I give thanks to God? Why should I be thankful for who He is and what He's done? First thing, be thankful because God's enduring love is not dependent on your performance. There's some of you here today who this is the biggest thing you need to hear today that God's enduring, steadfast love is not dependent on anything you have done or will do. And He's shown that. He showed that to the nation of Israel time and time again. That's why He told Hosea, the prophet, go marry a prostitute. To show the model of what this looks like. To be faithful to one who is unfaithful as further modeled in the New Testament, when God sends His only Son to die, that you might have life. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in the book of Romans that it was while we were still sinning that Christ died for us. This psalm rings true throughout all of Scripture and into the Gospel to recognize and you here today need to recognize that God's enduring, steadfast, loyal love is not dependent on your performance because then it would cease to be steadfast, loyal, and enduring. Ephesians 2 emphasizes this even more. You have been saved by grace through faith. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift. A gift outflowing from God's steadfast love that endures forever. It is He who remembered us in our lowest state. Secondly, be thankful Because God's enduring love is not hindered by the mountains I see in front of me. Be thankful because God's enduring love is not hindered by the mountains I see in front of me. We're talking about the God emphasized here who created the mountains. And I have yet to meet someone whose trials and struggles. And challenges are bigger than the created mountains that you could go see today. And yet the same God who created a septillion stars in the observable universe is the same God who's promised that His steadfast, enduring love it endures forever. And so His enduring love is not hindered by however big the trial you see in front of yourself. Whatever size that is, whatever that looks like in your life, God's love is not hindered. Who God is is not challenged by that. God is not sitting in heaven worried about what's going on. Because He's God. And he's in control and he's got this and he's saying my steadfast love endures forever. It's not hindered by anything that's going on around you or anything you're encountering today that you think is an obstacle for God to show his power and his love in your own life. Thirdly, be thankful because God's enduring love is rooted in his plan. Not ours. From the very beginning, God has continued to reveal His love for His people despite their humanity. Though Israel complained consistently, God continued to show them enduring, steadfast love. That's outlined here from verse 10 all the way through verse 16. In Jeremiah 31, verse 3, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And speaking specifically to the nation of Israel here, it says, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. Now this is the God, who's this is the same God speaking to Israel, this is the same God who continued to reveal His everlasting love through the giving of Christ. Through the gospel of Jesus, what we believe to be true, that God sent Christ to die, that we could have life. If we simply believe that he came to die and rose again, defeating death. And if we believe in his name as the only way for salvation, we'll be saved. Despite our sinfulness, despite our shortcoming, despite any obstacle we may perceive, his steadfast love endures forever. And so as we think about this practically today, I simply want us, we're going to close today in here a minute by reading this psalm together. And your portion is going to be to repeat that statement, to repeat that big idea. Because as we leave here today, that's the truth we need to remind ourselves of when we're facing an obstacle in our life. We're facing a hurt, we're facing a trial to remind ourselves that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And then throughout this whole month, some of you might have seen, there's a couple baskets up here. And during this closing song, during the closing song each week, as a method of response for us, I want you, as you think about what you have to be thankful for, relating specifically to who God is and what He's done. I want you to come up, write it down on one of these cards and put it in that basket. And when we get to the end of this month, I'm just going to pull some of those out and read them. And we're going to be reminded together of the many reasons we have to give thanks to God for who He is and what He's done. And so if you would stand with me this morning, and I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read the, the in-between parts, and I simply want you guys to respond by saying, for his steadfast love endures forever. Okay? So we're gonna practice that just to give you a chance to work on it before we jump into this. We're gonna say this together, alright? Ready? Go! For his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, I'm going to read this. You're going to do the second part in each line. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. To Him who by understanding made the heavens. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters. To Him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. And the moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a strong hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. And rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Church, give thanks to the God of heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever. Heavenly Father, may we be reminded of this each day. Lord as we repeat this in our minds that we would come to know it not simply as words but as truth of who you are and what you have promised to do that we would come back to this place no matter what we're facing today no matter what trial we're experiencing to recognize and understand that your steadfast love is unmoved by the mountains I see in front of me it's not changed according to how my plans may fall apart but it is all according to your plan and your purposes May we walk forward into a world that desperately needs to know that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And may we be vessels of that love in a dark world. We commit all this to You. Thank You that You have revealed Yourself as a God of love. Who's had compassion on us. Lord, may we glorify You as we reflect on that and are reminded of the hope that we have because your love never fails. In Jesus' name.